Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Ginny Romady was the first female chair and CEO of IBM. Under her leadership, the 100-year-old company reinvented 50% of its portfolio, built a $25 billion hybrid cloud business, and established leadership in AI and quantum computing. Now she's the author of Good Power, Leading Positive Change in Our Lives, Work, and World. Ginny, thank you so much for being here. Michael, thank you for having me. We talk lots of politics here. We got to get into the win with gin campaign that won you the presidency of the high school student union. Do you remember your opponent? Oh, I cannot believe you remember that. And uh, I do not remember my opponent at all, but I remember there were two of them. I just cannot tell you who they were. Did you deliver on your promise to have more dances after football games? That I did. You know, you got to fulfill your promises. It's a very important point. So the first paragraph of the book, it's, it's, it's gripping and it's, it's sad. You know, you had a lot to overcome, and you begin this way. My mother, brother, and sisters and I each have a different memory 
from when our father abandoned our family just before Thanksgiving. You think you would have ended up where you ended up at the top of the corporate world without all the adversity? I actually think not. And I've had that conversation with many people that do you have to have, you know, suffered a tragedy? And I think the answer is maybe no, but, but some form of adversity. And, you know, I started the book that way because it really wasn't to, uh, point out I'm a victim or anything like that. It was really to celebrate how my mom reacted because that is what shaped me going forward. Yeah, I know because I read the book, but tell folks, what what was her response? Well, my mom had never uh, gone to college. She'd had a high school degree, never worked a day in her life. She was 34 years old. She has four children, uh, no food, no money, almost lose our house. We go on you know, financial aid. But she was determined not to be a victim, not to let people say, oh, look at that, you know, divorcee who can't raise her children. And she went back to school, got a little bit of education, better job. I helped raise my brothers and sisters a little bit more. And what I really took away from that that formed the rest of my life was that, first, um, I would be fiercely independent, so I never had to rely on anyone. But my mom showed me that don't ever let someone else define who you are. Only you will define who you are. You, and then you a third also, point, if yeah. I, oh, just one, one more, let me throw in, because it would shape really and be a silver thread through my life, is that, you know, my mom wasn't dumb, but she didn't have access to education. And so this idea that aptitude and access are two different things would really drive my focus on skills. And, and it drives what I do now post-IBM, actually, that, that there are so many talented people in the world that may not have a college degree, but they have talent. And we've got to employ them better, many of us employers. It seems that you also had this diverse community of support. Robert Putnam is the fellow who wrote from Harvard who wrote Bowling Alone, and he talks about social capital and the community in which, you know, your family was struggling. The social capital was really to your benefit. People came out and were supportive of you. That's right. And and it's really why I write the book in three pieces. It's called The Power of Me and why I hope the book helps lots of people, because I don't think people realize in the moment the small things they do that matter. The next door neighbor who would, you know, give me a babysitting job when they didn't really need to, that would take my sister and give her food, or that the teacher that would help a little extra, or the one that would say, you know what, go here for a scholarship. Um, those, every little move all those people made, and it's why I call them out in the book, I don't think our lives would have been the same. And I know there's that old saying, it takes a community to raise a child, but I really believe that adage is still true today. Do you really not remember the details of that senior year Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority scandal involving the pledges that happened on your watch at Northwestern sorority? Oh, Michael, I can't believe this is, this is amazing. I love your attention to detail. And so um, you're speaking of a time that it's already got in trouble and it was drinking and it might have even been smoking marijuana. I can't even remember. And how we found it. That article, by the way, was I kept a chest of clippings. Don't ask me why from <laughs> my childhood. And here right. we find this clipping in there. And it's actually in there for a different reason, because, like, why would I put something in the book no one remembers, including me? Um, I think it's like a really valuable lesson of compartmentalization. And because I would, you know, carry on to do some really hard jobs. And I write a lot about your attitude. And I learned to put things in a box and move on, you know, sort of deal with them, put them in the box, go to the next thing. And uh, that, to me, was a perfect example of that, that I honestly do not remember it in the moment. 
The book is called Good Power, Leading Positive Change in Our Lives, Work, and World. I guess technically you weren't an IBM lifer because you first felt obligated to go to GM. They'd been generous with you, but very early on in your career. In fact, I love hearing how someone ends up being the chair and CEO of of an entity like IBM. And in your case, it begins with a funny story. There's an executive named John Kennedy. He interviews you. I guess you're wearing a brand new blazer. And when you get home at the end of the day, you have a surprise. What was it? Yes, the surprise was I had the price tags and the size all on my coat still stitched <laughs> to it. <laughs> you know, but it says a lot about the company. I mean, I have to tell you, everyone had to have seen it, right? And uh, no one ever said a word about it. And it was, of course, the first suit I'd ever owned. And I got home, I took it off, my, and my husband says, look what's on your suit. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's it, it stitched on there. And I said, oh, thank God at that moment it was a small size. <laughs> but they would have seen the cheap price, too. Ginny, there were many who mentored you over the years. And as I was reading your book, I was thinking, this is what's getting lost today in a post-pandemic world where everyone is working remotely, because there'd be no one to take you under their wing if people were dispersed. Yes, this is a super point you picked up on, Michael, because I was just talking about this with a young person this morning and talking about whether they go into work, remote, not. And to me, if I reflect back on, you said, how this, and really, how does someone like me end up in being the CEO of IBM? I was apprenticed, apprenticing constantly and learning from someone else. I don't know, you might think about this over your decades, right? You know, when did you learn the most? And I often didn't know what I was doing at the time, and I was with other people that did, and I just watched and learned. And even that idea of mentors, I tell people, like, do not look for one. My observation's been, if you are willing to listen, anybody will be your mentor. And so I think this idea of apprenticing is perhaps it's a selfish reason people sometimes should go back in their offices or to their workplace, because it may just be where you build your next skill. Along your your corporate rise, along the way, there's a, a job, big job for which you you interview and it's offered to you on the spot. And your response is to say, I'm paraphrasing here, but you wanted to go home and discuss it with your husband. So now you come back and you accept that gig and the superior who hires you said, don't let that happen again. What was the reference to and what was the lesson? Yeah, this is to me. And, and again, I write about personal things in the book um, for a purpose. I, I It was hard for me to do this and be vulnerable and tell these stories. But honestly, the only reason I wrote a book is that I hope this helps other people with how to lead in these times. And that story I would face this many times. I would go to a new job and I would be, okay, let me tell you the 10 things I cannot do and that why I am not ready for this job. And I wasn't ready for that job. I said, no, 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 I would need two more years. This is too early. And the person I worked for at the time said to me, go to the interview. And I went and I did say, as you just said, but I, I go, let me go talk to my husband. And my husband would shape in my mind something that would stay with me then forever. I came home, I'm blah, blah, blahing about this interview, and I'm not sure I should take the job. I told the person I'm going to go home and talk to you. And he just sat there and quietly looked at me and said, do you think a man would have answered the question that way? And I said to myself, no, no. He goes, I know you, Jimmy. In six months, you'll be ready for the next thing. He's like, I don't understand this behavior every time. And it crystallized for me what I would later call that growth and comfort never will coexist. And and therefore, it got me really comfortable with starting to do higher risk things or things I didn't know. 
and I would do that for the company. And, I, and I've even said for people, it's not just people, it's companies, it's countries you would watch go through this. And that, I don't know, Michael, if I asked you, like, when you've learned the most, did you feel at risk or, com- or very comfortable? When I learned the most? Yes. I don't know what you mean by that. Well, in, in a situation, like if you think back when you were learning something the most, was, right. it, was it, were you uncomfortable or were you nervous about it or was it like a risky situation or? I think I learned the most when I was, when I was sort of apprenticing in the business that I never expected to spend as much time that I've ended up spending in, but I was nervous along the way. I don't know if that's the answer yeah. you're looking for, but that's what yeah. comes no, no, to mind. It, 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 it didn't mean, it, no, no, the answer should be whatever the truth is, of course. But to me, I have found as I've talked to people all over on this kind of feeling, especially for whatever reasons, women, that this idea that, um, hey, if you're uncomfortable, right. you know, kind of get comfortable with it because it means you're probably learning something, right? That's a good right. thing. Right. And, and that's how I get comfortable with risk is that. Jenny, 2011 months before you become the CEO, you are there for the very famous Jeopardy Watson, you know, birth of AI, at least public birth of AI. First of all, what was that like? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because that's well over a decade now, right? And um, to, to me, it was almost surreal, but it was also kind of the culmination of decades of work, too. But the part that was so interesting was it was like the first time, I think, AI at least had some kind of understanding by a mass public, right, of what it could be. And you don't see this because it got filmed over a couple of days, but then it, you know, kind of shows it more sequentially because um, Watson doesn't win in the beginning. So in real life, when it's filmed, um, you go home one night and it's losing, right? You don't know till the next day it comes back and wins. Now you see that all in one show when it's on television, but in real life, at the first few show, first questions, he, he did not win. Or she, okay, I just mean that kind of, you know, I'm not giving it a sex sure. or anything, but it didn't win. And so at first I was a little bit nervous. And then, of course, it came back through. But to me, I felt what the moment meant was, you know, look, this is like the dawning of a new era. And it's really, I did speak of it that way um, and really still do believe it to this day. Um, but a lot of, lot of things to be worked out between then and now and going well, forward. Well, I want to ask, because for the rest of us, it's only been the last couple of weeks that AI largely through chat GPT has entered our consciousness. I want to ask the former chair and CEO of IBM, Ginny Romney, what most worries you about artificial intelligence? Okay. What most worries me is that we need to be clearer about how it, how it works and what it should be used for. So in a word, we've got to build trust in it because if people don't trust it, I mean, they will fear it um, and it can do some very good things. And I'd hate to see the good go away because of the bad. So I really believe trust is the most important thing on it. And it's like, as an example, Michael, you saw it when it came out, some of the first people that were talking about it were educators saying, Oh my gosh, now kids can cheat right on their papers. Use it, write this paper. I would have loved to have seen in parallel an app come out that said, hey, I could look at a paper and tell with X confidence that this might have been written by ChatGPT. Um, it's this idea that we've got to manage the up and the downside in parallel and think about what are people using it for. A, because it depends on what trains it, how good it is. That old saying, garbage in, garbage out. And the second thing is that people have different tolerances. I learned this from all our work with it, that they have different tolerances for error based on the 
type of problem. So, you know, if you're like saying, show me the best movie and it doesn't give you the right answer, you get a different answer, you don't care. If you're asking a healthcare question, even though a doctor could be wrong 5, 20% of the time, depending on the severity of the illness, you expect 100% from technology. So there are, in my mind, um, that issue of trust is the thing that we should focus on as much in parallel. Uh, and it's not just the guys that built the technology, it's who uses it, which is why, you know, in the book, there's a whole chapter on stewarding good tech, because we are all now kind of stewards of good tech, whether we think of it or not. Do we get to a point where it is sentient? You know, I still think, uh, no, okay, I still think that's that that kind of concept is far, far away. And, and even like, talking about it a lot, that that's what's happening, I think creates a lot of fear-mongering that's not needed. Uh, I'm of the school and the camp that a lot of good can be done and that in many cases it should, I always use the word augment um, humanity. So in other words, help you and I do whatever we're doing better. And that's how I'd like to see us, you know, guide it into this world. I told chat GPT, I lied. I said that I'm reading Ginny Romady's new book for my book club, and I'm looking for a good discussion topic. So ChatGPT, in a split second, provided me several, only it was from a prior book, Finding Your Way in a Wild New World. So I said to ChatGPT, no, 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 it's her new book, Good Power. After ChatGPT apologized, are you interested to know what what they suggested for my, my book club? Oh, please do, please do. The Science of Positivity. Romedy draws on research from neuroscience, psychology, and other fields to explore the science of positivity. What are some of the key findings from this research, and how can we apply these findings to our own lives to experience greater positivity and fulfillment? Now, do you think that was a good use of AI? No. No. And, and, and I have to tell you, I also asked, I, uh, I had some fun, I said, uh, my husband is Mark, I said, uh, what does Mark Rometty do? And it answered uh, that he ran IBM. My husband was like, yes, finally I got credit. So, <laughs> you know, seriously, right? I mean, and this is why you and I, we both know the difference, and, but you can see what needs to be worked. And so I think how it's introduced really does matter a lot. And I, this is, again, after over decades of working on some of this. And again, I was in a company that was business to business, right? And really worked on tough problems. So we're always really aware of these issues of trust and value. So it's, it's now in the forefront for everybody. I said, God, I was talking about AI ethics and no one would listen a decade ago, but now it's the moment. Hey, a final note with regard to your husband, Mark, I'm, I'm unaccustomed to the very last paragraph of a book that I read referencing one of my favorite songs. Are you married to a Led Zeppelin fan? I am. I am. And you're going to make me cry. That is a that that is a tribute to my husband. That is the thank you song by Led Zeppelin. It's a great song too. It is. Hey Ginny, yeah, Ginny, this was fun. Day. I wish I wish you good things. The book is called Good Power. Good Power. Thanks, Ginny. Thank you, Michael. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive. Then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Hey, Faye, greetings in Rochester. I hope you got a kick out of my conversation with Ginny. Um, absolutely. And first off, I'm um, long time, first time caller. And um, I quote you so much. My adult son <laughs> calls you my political boyfriend. That's and nice. um, he's actually getting married in your hometown. Fell in love with a Philly girl and getting married in your hometown in October. All right. Well, congratulations on that. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, so, yes, I used to work for IBM back in the 80s. Um, and we had such great camaraderie in those sales offices that we still get together every year. There's a group of us. Um, there's probably about 50 people that come every year. And <clears throat> I just thought that was a great um thing to talk about in terms of with remote work today, and I know friends of mine who still work for IBM, they, there's just not that camaraderie that used to, we used to have in the sales office. And, um, well, it's I not only camaraderie, it's, it's, also, it's also mentorship. I mean, I, I don't know how you find the next Ginny Romedy because 
there's not going to be a mentor-mentee relationship. Hey, I, I have a question. For how long did you work at IBM? I worked there for 12 years, and um, when I had my son, I worked uh, part-time at IBM for another three or four as a Got contract it. employee. I I asked so because I can... one of the things that I was going to get into, but I, I just ran out of time, is that she ended up having like a 40-year career, you know, a, a decade of them at, at the, the top of the mountain. You just don't see that, right? I mean, people today coming and going, starting and stopping jobs and so forth, that kind of longevity is a thing of the past as well. Absolutely. Um, Many people that I used to work with um, went on to work for other companies, and a lot of us, including myself, we sold IBM for um, large uh, resellers and things like that. Um, But as far as, you know, 40-year IBM employees anymore, I would think that that's very rare. Right. Or or, <laughs> any, or anywhere. Or anywhere, for that matter. Faye, I have to run. Congratulations right, right. To, to you and your family, and, and I appreciate your kind words. So thank you. Thank you. Ginny Romady, TC. So, yes, please explain. Uh, I was very struck by what she said about compartmentalization. I am either accused or lauded within my family, depending on who you're talking to, about my ability to compartmentalize and put things on a shelf and continue on with whatever I'm doing. So I found that really interesting. But what went on with the Kappa Kappa? Oh, just some a a tale as old as time, something involving a little bit of weed and some booze. That's it. She wasn't sure about the weed. She couldn't remember the weed. But I just got a kick out of it. Look, you know I always like to try and find that that nugget or two. I think you found a couple nuggets and you made her cry. <laughs> like a lot went on. But, but she was the president at Northwestern of her sorority. And she makes passing reference, as she said on air, to finding a news clip talking about like some scandal. Uh, and I'll bet she did deal with it by compartmentalizing. Now, of course, me, if it were me and Zeta Sai and Lehigh in the heyday, I'd be sharing the story with friends to this day. Right. Yes. Instead of yes. forgetting well, I guess it. You would. what I had for lunch, I have no recall. No but idea. whatever it would have been that had gone down in the house, right. I'd have probably remembered. And you would have written a column about it and you would talk about it in your speeches <laughs> and probably shown a picture or two if you could possibly uh, wrestle you one see, up. You've not heard all the stories. No, okay? I have. There's still more stories are to there? come. Are there more still, stories? Still, still more stories. Come on. I can't believe it. No, I really, I really enjoyed that that uh, interview and thought it was great. Her mother and she and her siblings they had a they had a really uh, rough go. Well, I thought that was interesting really, too. Really, really rough go. Not necessary I mean, to have dad hardship. Just, like walked out. Yeah. And and so cut off, you know, from from he and his family and it, wow. it, tough stuff. But look at her. Yeah. Look at what she was able to do because yeah. her mother had like a. a spine of steel and wanted to get educated well i thought that was interesting because she said it wasn't what my father did that had the biggest influence on me it was what my mother did in response correct absolutely hear more of michael smirconish on sirius xm's potus channel 124 live weekdays from 9 a.m to noon east or anytime on the sirius xm app connect with michael on facebook twitter youtube and at smirconish.com book club with michael smirconish new episodes drop mondays wednesdays and fridays BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you a software professional looking to make a lasting impact on people and the planet? 
At General Motors, our vision is a world with zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And we need innovative people like you to join us on this journey and challenge the limits of what is possible. From autonomous cars to software-defined vehicles, you'll translate breakthrough technologies like AI into experiences that people love, all while pushing the world forward toward an all-electric future. See how you can shape the future of mobility at careers.gm.com.